0: Welcome back, everybody. Episode 205 of the Black Eagles Podcast. And I'm your host, Sinan Sporting, live from New York City. It's cold out. That's all I've got to say. (laughs) Both figuratively and literally, uh, the winter is here. I'm a little sick if you can't hear it. in part, that's why I'm delayed. Although, let's be 100% honest, I, I was also waiting for some rather big news that I would be remiss not to mention. Uh, and we'll talk all about it, obviously, today. Um, yeah, where do we begin? Where do we begin? Well, I suppose we should probably begin uh, where we typically do, uh, in the natural order of things. Um, let's talk a little bit about our last match. We, of course, went to Germany this week and played against Bayern Dortmund. Or rather, sorry Bayern, Borussia Dortmund. Uh, that was a little uh, s- sort of back- backhanded insult, perhaps, to our friends over there. No, that was just my sick brain not quite functioning properly. Um, yeah, we played Borussia Dortmund. BVB. Um... In our final match of the Champions League, and I think the only silver lining is that we don't have to do this anymore. Um, by which I mean, deal with any of this Champions League nonsense. Um, it's so funny. We went to the year thing; it was so fun that we'd get to, to be in this competition, right? Uh, that did not pan out. Operation is in, effect, is in effect as of right now. Although I guess we could also say, if we're looking for a silver lining, um, our results in the Champions League helped usher things along in a way that perhaps they needed to be but we'll get to that later let's talk about Besiktas um or rather uh the Champions League um we'll just dig into the lineup I did form in our head-to-heads last time head-to-head right I mean what is that it's not exactly like a storied history or anything like that but um yeah let's dive in lineups right? First of all, Besiktas put out Ersin Destanolu, Montero next to Wellington, which is interesting. Nejip Uysal on the right side of our defense. Right back Nejip warning. Um, Umut Medash on the left side. Joseph de Souza and Mehmet Topal on the back of our midfield with John Bozdo on ahead of them. Kyle Laren on the left side and Kenan Karaman on the right. With Mishi up front, um, yeah, that was uh, that was our lineup. No real shocks, perhaps. Um, the midfield, right? Joseph, Mehmet, Topal, and John Bozdan is pretty weird. Um, Kenan Karaman starting on the right side, also pretty weird. Um, I mean, I guess you could argue that our Match against Kaiser, upcoming, is far more important uh, than this one, right? In a competition, we're guaranteed to end fourth in the group and be ousted from. I don't know if you catch that motorcycle on the on the mic. Hopefully, you are. not But um, yeah, it's annoying. Probably compensating for something. Anyhow, Dortmund on the on the opposite side of things. Yeah, you saw Gregor Kobel, their 24-year-old Swiss goalkeeper. Mats Hummel, 32-year-old German defender, next to Dan Axel Zagadou, 22-year-old Frenchman. Their left back was Nico Schultz, 28-year-old German. And on the right side, Thomas Moulier, well-known 30-year-old Belgian. In the middle of their midfield would be Axel Witzel, 32-year-old Belgian, next to the 18-year-old Englishman Jude Bellingham, the 25-year-old German Mahmoud Daoud. Um, up front for them, of course, would be Marius Wolf, 26-year-old German, on the right side, with Marco Reus on the left side, 32-year-old German, and, of course, Daniel Malin up front, their uh, 22-year-old Dutchman. And I say, of course, uh, as if that would be expected. No. I suppose we would have expected to see Haaland, but uh, we got to see this young Dutchman instead. And he would... Uh, who would benefit from the opportunity, I suppose we could say. So, let's dive in. Um, right out of the gates, let's just be realistic. Dortmund looked the better side. Uh, they had a few chances, not particularly like dangerous, but just showing intent. We didn't show anything, as you might expect with our lineup. Like, Nejip sort of bundering around, Mehmet Topal, Sort of uh I don't really know what he was doing in there. Canon Karaman couldn't even get lucky with any of his touches, just everything was going against him. Again. Um, just you know, an awkward mess. Well in clumsy. Um, but who knows, right? Like you can still <coughs> excuse me. You can still get really lucky. You can um Get lucky on a few of their opportunities hold out defensively maybe get a point that's that's the best we're hoping for based on what we see initially I would say I'm sure enough the first real chance 16th minute an a-plus cross from I don't even know who from, from the left side would drop to Jude Bellingham he would sky it um, imprecise but you know again just showing their intent and sure enough 28th minute um, we have the ball Wellington sends it up to Kenan Karaman, who's all alone, doesn't do anything clever with it, loses it easily, and on the counter, Jude Bellingham sort of just takes it all the way up himself, off of a pass from the back, easily lays it off for Daniel Malin, Malin sends it in, Um, Wellington, whose side this was on, just completely out of position, Montero races to sort of help out, sliding in just too late. Um, The shot, because of that, is not so fantastic. Um, So, you know, this is also perhaps a bit on Erson this first goal. He probably could have done more to save this. But he doesn't, and it is what it is. We're down a goal. 31st minute, Montero gets a yellow card for a clumsy tackle. 39th minute, Kyle Lahren gets a yellow card for physical play. 43rd minute. Wellington gets a red card, and Joseph a yellow card for complaining about it, Uh, and in addition to that, he commits a penalty, um, giving Dortmund an opportunity to score their second goal. Was it a red card? No. It was a ridiculous call by the referee, but it was absolutely a clumsy tackle, once again by Wellington. For some reason, they go to VAR and still decide to give him the card. I think this ref obviously had it out for us, but who cares? Like, we need that going against us in addition to everything else. But whatever. Marco Reyes steps up, puts it away. Easy goal. 2-0. And that's how it would go to the half. Uh, just, yeah. Murphy's Law, man. That's all you can say about this season under Sergei Yelchin so far. Murphy's Law had more control than he did. Um, in the 40- At halftime, they would bring out Thomas Mounier and bring in Rainier a guy who I had never heard of Rainier I guess is a 19 year old Brazilian Uh, anyway news to me but whatever so he would come in at the half Um, also we would sub in Valentin Rosier for Kenan Caraman. so one last incredibly weird substitution from sargen yelchin perhaps um 53rd minute marco Reus goal assisted by mahmoud daoud um what can i say about it marco reos it's a nice little triangle of passes resulting in daoud finding Reus, who dribbles Mehmet Topal and Nedjip with so much ease that they looked like amateurs in relation to him. And then he easily slats it into the low left corner of the goal. Not much Erson could have done there. And there you have it. We're down 3-0. 62nd minute. Felix Paslak comes in for Marius Wolf. Erling Braut Haaland comes in for Marco Reus. And scores. <laughs> Just a few minutes later. An assist by Nico Schultz, really well placed, would find Haaland's head, he would head it down perfectly into the back of the net, down into the ground and back up, no problems. Easy does it. Uh, Rashid Gizal would enter the match in the 69th minute for Kyle Laren. Why not, right? Down 4-0, let's get this guy tired for the match on Friday, or Sunday. Uh, or potentially get him injured even, right? Um, 73rd minute, Rafael Guerrero enters the match for Jude Bellingham. Marin Pongracic enters the match for Dan Axel Zagadu. Sally Uchan, first action in a while, comes in the 76th minute for John Bozdoan. Um, that's almost it for the subs. 81st minute, another goal off a corner. Again, Mahmoud Daoud with a, with a nicely placed corner finding. Erling Haaland, who I mean, Nejip is covering him, but he doesn't even jump for the for the header. He just lets Haaland have at it, I guess. Um, just an absolutely terrible outing from Nedjip. And 82nd um, minute, the final sub, Atiba would enter the match for Joseph de Souza, and the would match would end 5-0. Woohoo! Um, 70% of the ball for Dortmund, despite them being up the entire match. We only had 30%. Um, XG, they had 3.56. So they outperformed their XG on the one hand, but we had a point zero zero five XG. We had one shot in total, and it was not on target. They had 29 shots, and seven of them were on target. So, um, you know, French referee, Francois Le Texier, certainly was a complete bastard, um, terrible ref, as as things tend to be for us, right? But uh, regardless, this match was a complete fiasco. I don't even know if we can really blame the ref that much at the end of the day. our, our li- The guys that we put out there were not, by any stretch, an ideal 11, even as a B-side. Um, interestingly, individual, in, as far as individual stats go, we had one player rated above average, above 6.5 and it was a 6.56 it was John Beaudoin. Um so 76 minutes for John Bozdoin and he still got the highest rating for our team which, I mean, barely and it was barely above average um, just a terrible outing absolutely terrible outing Apologies for that fire truck. Um, this is the dangers of recording during rush hour here in New York City. But anyway, um, let's just put that whole match to bed. Let's put all of that Champions League nonsense to bed. Silver lining is we're done completely with <clears throat> all of that devastation in Europe. All of the trauma we've endured, and in addition, it has ushered in a new era. Folks, um, in the aftermath of that really terrible loss, Sergei Yelchin had a meeting with the board, and he resigned. Now, I will not insult the man. Um, He gave us a championship last year. He's still a club legend as a player, Um, and perhaps as a coach, you know. We'll see in a few years how we view this thing. We need perhaps to take a step back from everything at the moment. But I think a positive is that the board saw a need for change. Right? They didn't step in the way of his resignation, and he himself had more pride than to just accept losing. Now, before I before I even dive into candidates for the actual job, because that's gonna be a whole fairly interesting conversation first we have to deal with the short term you have first of all um, with Sergen out he's resigned which is um, significant obviously Uh, they didn't have to fire him which is I suppose good news in terms of saving face we can say we gave him all the chances he could have asked for but at the end of the day um, you know, things weren't working, I think most people recognize we needed a change, and so for him to be the one to sort of make that executive decision, ultimately, is probably a good thing as far as hard feelings and all that. Um, now, what does that leave us with, right? His assistant was Murat Shahin, who, uh, and shouts, by the way, to one of my Scottish twins, who's John. And I have to to another side to my other it's good friend, so my other Scottish twin, Carntal. Uh, for some some other news later on but um, our assistant coach was Murat Shahin now you imagine he was probably ousted alongside his former boss as he was his choice as assistant Uh, which means it it might not be Murat Shahin it could go to the under 19 coach who I thought was Yasin Sulun who is a player with some history in the club uh, or a former player instead the current under-19 coach forever is actually Under Caravelli, which, uh, is a guy who I've never heard of before. Um, but so what does that actually leave us with then? Um, very few options for Sunday. We, we probably get to see this Under Caravelli guy for, for a week or something. Maybe Atiba steps up as our player coach. Um, I kid, but actually, that would probably be the ideal scenario if we're gonna be 100% honest. Now, as far as like the long, longer term, right? Whether we have an interim coach like this Undert Caravella guy who sees out the rest of the season, <coughs> or sorry again, um, so like the long term solutions so far. So, initially, there, there were sort of polls put out, hints, and rumors. Even going as far as like Sergeant who they were talking about like um, Slaven Bilic, Andrea Pirlo, and then of course Turks, Riz- Riza Chalimbay, and of course Shanul Gunesh. And they were putting out polls that I'm sad to say that Shanul Gunesh was winning. Now, I, I promised I would stop making this podcast if Shanul Gunesh were rehired. And I stand by that. Like, I think it's progress that we managed to get rid of a manager before he stuck around too long. In the way that we did not with Sergen, not sorry, with uh, Chanel last time, he stuck around about two years too long. So um, to go back to that after finally getting kind of, uh, sort of seemingly dealing with this better this time around would be a terrible mistake. And you know he's proven that he's outdated. His sort of view of football is outdated, his his tactics, the way he views this, the game and how it's played, and, and his role as a manager and of men, not only men, but also of footballers, right, and how they need to play. So, I have no interest in Channel Gunesh, and I promise to boycott the club as best I can, right? I mean, I'll probably still watch, but I can't be this go, gung-ho podcaster of a club who I, I Whose decision I would support so little additionally and this is significant um, it's in a late breaking report and I said I was gonna give a shout out to Cartel the other Scottish twin he mentioned this to me channel Gunesh is likely not a candidate at all because he's just gone through back surgery and you know is gonna need some time for recovery and all that so we should actually not expect to see him be hired at all um, which again like I have a ton of respect for what he did for us, but, um, you know, for a couple of years, but then the sort of stubbornness and the the sort of obstinate inability to change gears, um, definitely like, sort of, I wouldn't say he uh, permanently ingratiated himself with me because of all that, but anyway, um, I still, you know, don't want to see the guy in pain or or injured, so definitely uh, get better soon. Chanel, but also, yeah, that, that probably removes... Um, but with that said, it looks like it's not going to have to be a concern, folks. Or for anyone who's, who's dying for me to stick around, fear not, um, it seems that we've narrowed down our search to Daniel Fark, Farker, supposedly, uh, it's a German, so you pronounce it a little differently, uh, he was an ex-Norwich manager, promoted twice to the Premier League with Norwich, relegated once, um... And he looks to be the favorite at the moment, um, and so the sort of German connection is, is is alive and doing well. Of course, we have Kunz in charge of the national side, so it could be a, a nice way of getting better attached players onto the national team if they if they can become friends, a couple of Germans uh another name that's come out and and this one surprises me and i really hope we don't get him i I wouldn't react to the same extent of channel because i guess there's a mystery element but i wouldn't be thrilled um supposedly we're looking at a guy named jesse marsh now i'm all about giving new people opportunities and giving uh, people of different backgrounds and all that different opportunities this guy's from the united states D.C. United player and stuff like that, like real U.S. footballer. Uh, but he's old enough to be a manager, which means he grew up in a U.S. where you didn't get to see football much. You couldn't really watch it on TV at ten. Um, I would never trust an American of that generation to know the game well enough to, to assume that they'd be able to, to run a team properly. That said, he's had, he got a pretty good resume. He was an assistant for RB Leipzig. I mean, he seems to have had a Red Bull connection. Maybe they were trying to build him up for some time. But So he was an assistant at RB Leipzig. Got promoted to manage RB Salzburg um, in Austria. Won a title there. To be fair, however, he had like Haaland on his side and a number of players would go on to much bigger things. Perhaps anyone could have won in that league with that level of talent. Um... But so then he would get an upgrade, a promotion, to the head coach of RB Leipzig, and he would just completely flounder and uh, fail and, and lose his job midway through the season. So not a, not a great resume as far as um, making the jump to a higher level. I mean, you can make the argument that maybe Super League is more along the, the, the level of, of a Austrian League, perhaps, you know, where he has shown success. Although, again, like seems like the stars kind of aligned for his success over a, in, in Austria uh, in a way that they didn't in Germany and likely would not here. It's not like the situation with Vestach is, is peaches and cream, right? I mean, on the one hand, we do, have I suppose, because they have a great team on paper. So perhaps, you know, he could make the most of it, but I don't know. I don't know if I have a favorite in this battle. I don't know enough about any of these coaches. I've got no horse in this race. So, you know, I don't know Farka, I don't know Marsh even, although I'm superficially inclined to say I don't really want him to coach our team. I'm hopeful. Um, I know I said we should wait, and I still stand by that. I would not mind an interim manager just stepping up for the rest of the season playing our young guys, without the pressure of having to to win and and play the older folks, let these guys who are in on loan go back to their clubs if we can, it's not actually guaranteed we could even do that. But, you know, cut our losses, take an L on this season, we're not going to get relegated realistically. I mean, even if we played as poorly as we did in the first half, with 9 out of our 11 starters injured for much of the way or whatever it was, uh, it's not like we can expect to see any of that again. Anyone, even Sergen, would, would get better results than he did in the first half. But with that said, I think getting rid of Sergen is is, is, is a positive move. He clearly, for whatever reasons, it just wasn't working out. He resigned because he knew the extent to which that was true. And he's gone. We move on to the next chapter. And just given how terribly things have gone this season, I think nobody will be disappointed by that news. I suppose there are a few stragglers, holdouts, who are, you know, Sergen fans, and, and credit to you guys, right, like, he is a club legend, and folks shouldn't forget that, and people shouldn't be too cruel in their assessment of the man in general, as as far as his legacy goes with the club. He may come back, you know, look at Fatih tedem the, the amount of times. with that said, of course, he didn't find the success Fatih Terim did, and things collapsed in such a magnificent way, you don't think it's likely he comes back to Beşiktaş honestly, and for that matter it'll probably be hard for him to you know, last year he was talking about going to La Liga after winning the title with us, I don't think that's like in the cards for the poor guy anymore you know, his coaches, is sorry his career as a coach is certainly in question, you know, given where things are, I mean I'm sure he can get a, another gig in Turkey, right, with another lower level side, but Among the big clubs, who's going to make that move now, you know? Much less a side in Spain or wherever else it was he'd hoped to be able to manage someday. So I feel terribly for the guy. This was not the ideal way for anything to come to an end, obviously. Um, It would have been much nicer if he'd had so much success that he simply had to leave because he needed that next level, you know? And and then Turkey would have a great coach in its national side. We would never have anything to fear. of course life is not a fairy tale that's just not how it worked out things have just collapsed in the worst way and here we are without a coach going into a match on sunday um looking for options hopefully not on the fly hopefully there's some logic and we're thoughtful and careful we don't rush into a bad decision um i don't know if either of the, the sort of front runners now suggest that that's what's happening I mean, to their, to our management's credit, those are guys I don't know that well. So at least they're not going for just the highest profile name they can get, you know, which, those first four names, Pierlo and whatever, I mean, uh, there's no need for us to do anything rash. So I, I'm okay with a thought, thoughtful, drawn out process where they make the, the, the right decision after weighing various considerations. Uh, And if that means we lose the next couple games because we're putting our under-19 coach out there, I don't, it's okay. Again, this season shouldn't bear much fruit if we're going to be realistic about it. I mean, we could still fight for second place, right? It's probably worth noting that Besiktas is in fact not like that far out of second place if you want to like look at the table realistically right we have 21 points second place Konya and fenner each have 27 points So we're only six points back on second place we can still compete for that um, so you know like you could make the argument that we should try our hardest to sort of get things together asap and put out a winning side as much as we can and try to get some results but that's maybe not realistic I think it's more important for the long term that we do this more thoughtfully and, and get the right coach in so that we have the right system being built for as long as possible. And, and, and that's why I'm a fan of having an interim coach in this process being more drawn out. And for the process of, you know, as we narrow down to the coach we want and we're in contact with them, they're starting to formulate what they want for the club and who they want to bring in. And so they can have a real clear idea when the transfer window arrives of what moves they want made, who they want to be retained, who they want out. And there's a huge list of guys who might not be on the squad next year. Those contracts are coming up. So, coming up, rather. So, yeah, I mean, all in all, I think we can be pleased that something's happening. Um, and even that there wasn't a rash, like, oh, Channel Gunaj or Riza has been named coach, you know, immediately. Um, let's take our time on this. And let's be patient. And I think that should be our credo going forward. Let's be patient. Um... If we don't get results next season even, you know, Uh, because we have a new coach who's implementing a new system and trying to sort of, let's say, for example, um, focus more on playing younger players and giving our academy a more prominent position within the club's hierarchy, that's good. That would be a fantastic thing for someone to do. And it might result in some short-term losses, but that's okay in the long term because you're building something. Think of Turkey's economy. Think of all the pressures hitting the club, the debts that are owed. Um, if we could focus on developing younger players, um, finding guys like John Bozdoan and turning them into real prospects who we can cash in on eventually. Valentin Ozzie even. Um, you know, th- there's a profile of guy we can be going after. Francisco Montero even, right? If we can turn these guys into regular players, who put out good performances somewhat consistently, we can make money, we can fix our problems systemically, and we can come out of this a better club for all the trouble and strife and drama that we've, we've faced. But so, that's all I have to say for this episode. Um, you know, good riddance to the Champions League, and let's just look forward to better days, shall we? Um, as always, follow us on Twitter at Eagles underscore podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Black Eagles podcast, one word. Follow myself on Twitter at Sir underscore rights underscore a lot. And as always,
1: let's go Beshig Taj!
0: See you folks on Sunday, or, you know, we'll all see Beshig Fash- Touch on Sunday, and then I'll see you guys noon. Um, until then, peace out. Shiktosh International hopes you enjoyed this program.